Welcome to the Genesis Acacia interview series. Here you will gain valuable insights into all key aspects of the immense mental, physical and spiritual benefits of gardening. I will be talking with some truly incredible and insightful humans, masters of their crafts and passionate about their life's work. Okay, um, we're here today with the incredible Casey Joy Lister, um, gardening extraordinaire who finds joy in helping people create beautiful, natural and edible gardens filled with wildlife. Uh, Casey lives in Perth and has created a luscious, thriving, magical garden from scratch filled with in, um, beneficial in, visiting beneficial insects, stunning flowers, home for wildlife and an array of delicious, delicious edible plants and herbs. Um, I love, Casey, that you see the garden as an ecosystem in itself. Um, and on an interview um, you, uh, with ABC Gardening Australia, you mentioned seeing it as having a relationship with a living entity. Um, and I loved that. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, Casey is a gardening coach and runs courses from seed to supper and also provides garden consultation and design advice. Um, she grows her own organic seeds for sale through her online store. She's written a gorgeous seasonal cookbook called Pinch Dash Glug um, using fresh garden produce. And another book for when you are starting out on your gardening journey um, for how to start your garden. She also runs monthly workshops covering lots of different content, um, including how to grow a garden for wildlife, how to create an edible flower garden, how to grow a year-round salad garden, which would just be amazing to have, um, seed saving and growing, and organic gardening. Um, Casey also has a research background in psychology and is an advocate for the incredible mental health benefits that we experience after spending time out in our gardens um, and is doing or has done research work on uh, language evolution, please correct me if I'm wrong, um, and human yeah. communication. Um, yeah, Casey, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's such a pleasure. That's like the loveliest roundup I've ever had. <laughs> oh, <great. laughs> Very deserving. Um, <laughs> um, okay, I'd love to know, Casey, about um, uh, one of like the first gardening memories or experiences that you have. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I was lucky enough to have had parents and grandparents who loved gardening. So I think it's been one of those things that I was just immersed in right from the start. One of my earliest memories is um, my mum and I snuck over to my granddad's house while he was out playing golf. I think he was in his like late seventies and um, we planted all these daffodils in his garden secretly. Um, so it was in like autumn or midwinter. Um, and then I, as a child, had to learn to be totally silent and keep it secret for months until they started sprouting in his garden. <laughs> Oh, my God. That was nice. oh, that's so, that would be so hard as a child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, training in gardening as well as secrecy. <laughs> but it's oh, definitely been such a part of, yeah, such a part of my childhood in so many ways. So I feel really lucky to have had that. It definitely instilled a love in, in plants and nature and all of that. All that yeah. good stuff. Yeah. Did he... Um, 
did what did he do when he saw them coming up do you know I only remember keeping the secret I don't actually remember what happened when he discovered yeah. them I'm, ass- yeah. I'm assuming he liked them he had like a beautiful rose garden and oh. yeah he was into gardening and on my dad's side his my dad's parents they used to have open gardens and my nana would always pick me little bunches of sweet peas so he's kind of just I think it's a bit like people who grow up in a family of you know, people who are really into sport or people who are really into yeah. art or music, you just see it going on all around you. Yeah. And um, so it sort of seems like a normal way of life. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. And the next question, um, how, do, how do you feel like after you've spent, you know, a morning out in the garden or um, an afternoon in the garden like do you notice a big difference from how you were before to when you come back inside after you've been out there oh definitely I mean I even notice we usually have our breakfast on the front veranda in winter time because that's where we get nice sunlight and mm-hmm. I even notice starting to feel weird and just a bit sort of kind of crawling if I haven't just been outside it's it's I really that's one of the things I try to encourage people to do so much because I found that even if you just make a ritual of having like a cup of coffee outside, you end up inadvertently gardening anyway. You might just, you know, trim something or you might pick yourself some flowers. And I, my, um, the thing I like about gardening is making it just more of something you do a little bit of every day. Um, and so, yeah, so just spending any time outside makes me feel more relaxed and it's such a creative outlet as well. Uh, I think that um, the nice thing about, about gardening compared to lots of the other kind of hyper-stimulating things we do is you really can just potter. Like you can you can do as much or as little as you like, but it's very, um, yeah, I, it's just such a peaceful activity. So it, it always makes me feel more relaxed after having been out there. Mm. Oh, you're making me want to. <laughs> yes, you should, you should go garden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. My <laughs> goal is to get everybody is obsessed. <laughs> Oh, thank you. I love that. Um, okay, this might be a, a little bit broad, but um, I'd love to know um, what's kind of led you, I guess, to um, get to where you are now. Like it's quite a, a change, I guess, you, where you were working in psychology before. And Yeah, um, yeah it, was, it was very, like, I don't, one of those things where you look back and think, what decisions actually led me to here? But um, so I, I was at um, uni for 10 years. I did a PhD in, like you said, like language evolution, looking at how human languages might have started. So like, wow. you know, way, way back when when we were sort of cavemen and women, um, <laughs> how did we start to communicate? And I always found that really interesting. But after I finally graduated, and while I was writing my thesis, um, <laughs> anyone who's done something like that would know it's just like like dragging yourself through mud some days trying to get work done when it's Mm. it's long overwhelming project and so I would routinely procrastinate in the garden all the time (laughs) so I was trying to write this and and meanwhile sort of in the background the garden was slowly growing bigger and bigger and I was spending more and more mornings out there totally avoiding the work I was supposed to be doing um and but I never really allowed myself to consider that it could be a job because it just didn't seem serious enough and it wasn't like there was an easy name to attach to it like people still ask me what I'm doing and there's this long pause where I try to work out how to frame (laughs) what I'm what I'm making my work into Um, and then when COVID hit so at that point I was still working in academia um, as a researcher Mm. but 
COVID hit and it sort of a number of the projects I was going to be working on became kind of impossible because they required travel to remote communities. Um, and I thought this is just the excuse that I've always needed to, to give it a go doing something different. And, um, and at that point I was already like, I'd already written a couple of cookbooks and was posting about gardening and um, writing a gardening cooking blog and all that. And I just decided to, you know, allow, like give myself the sort of treat of trying to see if I could turn it into what I do. Cause I just, yeah, I just love it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. COVID worked out kind of. Anyway, it was a different silver lining there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, the garden was calling to you, I think, from your study room. Oh, it really was. Yeah. And it was just so nice, um, like, having a space that I could do anything I wanted to as well. So it was a real, um, like, I just being able to learn from doing out there, I've really loved as well. And I, I think that's one of the things that I wish more people would um, allow themselves to do. Lots of people seem like there's nervousness or trepidation around gardening because people are worried they'll get it wrong and maybe because I was lucky to have sort of been immersed in it a bit as a child I just I knew that plants died and I, I never really cared so much or I didn't beat myself up too much if, if something got eaten or something died and so it was just more like the whole thing always just felt like play um, and I think that's really how you learn what works and what doesn't is just by not by necessarily reading heaps of books or stressing out online where there's so much information about like don't do this this is terrible or if you've got this bug in your garden it's everything's gone wrong and um yeah so not having the fear was really good it meant I could just tinker yeah. and, and learn that way which I thought yeah it really turned into play mm, definitely yeah oh. um okay and um, <laughs> this could go a few ways, but um, if you wouldn't mind sharing, Casey, what would be your, actually, I think you pretty much just answered it then, but uh, your number one tip for anyone starting out, yeah, on their gardening journey, I guess not to mm. take it too seriously. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, mean, I guess, I guess at a broader level, yeah, don't, don't take it too seriously and just just start um but but in terms of practical things um i i would say that um there's there's a few things that i see people often just not knowing to look for when they start and that can lead to a lot of like stuff just doesn't work but it's it's really there's really simple fixes so just knowing to look at where the light is falling in your garden and kind of learning to observe your garden because um, we often see our gardens as like single entities, like it's just this one big space and this is the garden and you can just bung plants in anywhere. But once you start looking, you might notice that there's lots of sunlight in this one zone. So that's going to be better for your veggies. And then, um, you know, you've got dappled shade in this other area, or maybe, maybe the soil isn't as healthy. In fact, that would probably be my biggest tip is just put a lot of animal manure in your garden. Um, particularly if you live like I do on the coast where we've got just really sandy soil it's kind of just those fundamentals those basics like getting the sunshine right getting the soil really healthy um and and you don't need to buy heaps of fancy potions sorry my computer is binging at me um yeah you don't need to buy heaps of fancy potions or um you know all of those yeah like people will often buy those um allegedly decompostable 
little plant seedling punnets, which I've never found work. It's like, just keep things simple, make your soil really healthy and look, look at where the sun is and make sure everything's getting watered. And um, that usually sets people up for success. And it's a big part of why I, I don't use sprays or pesticides and fungicides and herbicides in the garden because I've found that it's, it's much, much easier, more gratifying and better for the environment to just grow really healthy plants in, in good soil and lots of sunshine. And they sort of defend themselves that way as well. Okay, perfect. That answers your question. <laughs> I think yeah, I went that was so that it's it, um it just makes it feel so easy, you know, because you're right, you do get online and it's it's quite overwhelming and intimidating and it makes you um question yourself and not even want to begin. But just the thought of being able to go and stand outside and like you said, just look, where is the sunshine coming in? And um mm. yeah, good healthy soil and yeah, thank mm. you. That was um that was very helpful. Very, very, very helpful. Okay. Um, okay yeah. <laughs> uh, last question. Um, yeah. Okay. Where Where do you see, um, or where would you love to see um, the future of gardening kind of heading for you know for the next generations coming through? Do you see a change? Um, yeah. Oh, I really, I really hope so. I am. Um, I mean, my my ideal would be I walk the dogs around the streets and you, I play this game of imagining how beautiful the whole streetscape would be if just everyone had wild slightly wild slightly overflowing productive gardens um I think that if I feel like we've been quite alienated from the natural environment we have climate controlled houses air-conditioned cars and we go to offices that are you know artificially lit and so we're because of the way I guess our society is constructed we're pretty detached and I think that's one of the reasons why people are slow to become terrified of climate change and um and and you know declining insect populations and other things that are other things that are negatively that the environment is being negatively impacted by and if everyone were to become interested in gardening and just be a bit more connected to that that world you start to notice what's actually going on and um, I think because of being more disconnected from the natural world, people are kind of, they're nervous about starting. They think that plants are really fragile and they'll, you know, they'll kill them if they even repot them. And I almost feel like it's a bit of a, a human right, kind of, as, an, as a living organism on this planet that has spent millennia interacting with the natural world that we deserve to have a kind of literacy in it. And we just don't anymore. Like kids don't know where apples or asparagus come from um and and once you get into all that stuff it's speaking for myself personally I guess it's so addictive it's just the loveliest thing going outside and realizing you've planted like a fennel plant and it's flowering and you can eat the flowers and then there's bees and wasps on them and and or you plant something else and it gets covered in aphids but that attracts ladybirds into your garden and I think that feeling of being connected to nature even in just a little microcosm of your own backyard is something that I wish a lot more people had. And I think there would be so many benefits, like far reaching benefits for mental health, for like rebuilding insect diversity and having little safe spots for local birds. Because that's one of the other things is as our houses get bigger and our gardens kind of shrink, there's a lot less, like these birds and, and insect populations will have just the odd tiny island of garden where they can visit. But if we all had stuff like that, even in a small garden, you can, you can have, you can provide pollen for pollinators and food for birds. And 
we just we just fundamentally alter the landscape of the place we live in and yeah I'd, that's what I'd love to see and I guess the way to get there is for more people just to start feeling confident and motivated to grow a garden and I just don't know anyone who's ever regretted it it's the loveliest hobby ever <laughs> oh that um oh you made me quite emotional um, <laughs> yeah my god you just absolutely hit the nail on the head like could you imagine a world like that like it would be so amazing I've had people in my seed to supper program who um it's, a, it's like their first time growing fennel and one of them she sent me a message saying like look at all these bees I've never seen so many bees in one spot it's like we could it, it's such a case of plant it and they'll come and you can really really quickly change the whole dynamics in your garden um just by adding a, a wide diversity like a wide range of plants and every I think people don't realize how much power they have as an individual to make that kind of change and it can be quite like I get sort of sad or overwhelmed when you hear all this stuff about you know big companies contributing in awful ways to destroying various parts of the environment and I found it to be kind of at least a little bit reassuring to think well I, I can't fix that I can vote against it but I can't do anything about that today but I can go out and plant more things and even if it's a small thing it's it's a nice it's nice to be able to think like I've had um really wagtails raise babies in the garden I know lots of other gardeners have as well and it's amazing thinking like oh I've we've grown them a little safe environment like raised like nine chicks last year and <laughs> so cool <laughs> <laughs> I also think actually oh you got me on a tear now but the other thing that I really yeah, like is <laughs> um if people start growing their own food even if and it's a big ask to think you could feed yourself from your garden. Um, I'm really, really impressed by people who do do that. It takes a lot of organisation. But even just starting to do it a little bit and realising how much more delicious it tastes and also learning what's in season um, can have a really big impact on how people shop as well. Like it's only when you start growing a garden that you realise you shouldn't be able to buy tomatoes like in midwinter. Well, or maybe, maybe peaches and mangoes are a better example. But like... Um, you look at stuff in the shops that's like being shipped from Mexico or from California, oranges, it, totally the wrong season. And um, if people became a bit more aware of when is actually the right time to eat stuff, it's kind of more of a celebration of that ingredient. Like I love when mangoes are actually in season here, um, but also in terms of like reducing carbon emissions, it would be so, so good if people ate locally or, or grew their own food as well. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I was taking that all in. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing the impact you can have on so many different things, just stepping out into your own backyard and um, mm -hmm. doing all of that. Yeah, it really is. You, um, yeah, you blew my mind a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, em empowering as well was a word that came to mind. Yeah, it's incredibly empowering. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for people to know they have that. I mean, when COVID happened, all the plant nurseries around here were just empty of all the vegetables. <laughs> I, thought, I hope it. I hope some people stick with it after the pandemic's over, like keep growing your own stuff because it, I think it was that scary realisation that there are um, chains and if they break down, like, you know, you might just not be able to get something from the shops and 
I mean, I'm full of admiration for all the farmers and people who actually provide us with food because it's really, really hard. But it, it's there's something nice about just being able to walk outside and think, I grew this lettuce like right here in my garden and now I'm going to eat it for dinner. It's a great feeling. Yeah, and it tastes so good. Yeah, so much better. Much <laughs> better. <laughs> um, oh, beautiful. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, that yeah, that's our. <laughs> I won't take up any more of your time. That's um, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I can talk that means to me. <laughs> that's such a pleasure, and I just love all of the. Like I was looking at your Instagram, all of your beautiful gardening stuff is so lovely. It's nice to meet someone who loves gardening as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Casey. And where um, where is the best place to find you? I know you've got your website and your Instagram, um, caseyjoylister.com. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the best place if you want to check out my like my blogs and guides, um, or if you want to join up to one of my um, workshops or join my gardening programs, Eat to Supper. So that's how I'm teaching as many people as I can to to grow their own food, which is really fun too. Um, and yeah, Instagram was gardening with Casey Joy. Perfect. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Casey. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. So nice talking about all the city. Yeah, great.